0: This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. Oh, my goodness. A great way to set into the uh, last half of the second hour of Power Zone here on Power 98.7. Uh, many faces Jonathan Butler bringing us exactly to 33 minutes after one o'clock Central Africa time. Good morning. Welcome to it. Uh, As I said, it's uh, the second half of the second hour. Of uh, the Ham edition of uh, Power Zone here in Power 98.7. Now we're talking. Great to have you in our company this morning. It's uh, a family affair, as always. Leibu, uh in the production uh, booth or production side of things, in fact, um, bringing uh, the show on air and also producing it as Buddha, our DJ, once again in the studio, also really assisting. Where the music is at consent. 0861987000. That's the number to dial if you're wanting to still engage. Um, we wrapped up uh, quite an interesting open line, was it not? Uh, but if you're still wanting to engage on some of the conversations we'll be having until 3 a three a.m., I beg yours. You're more than welcome to at PowerFM 987 on X. I'm at Mnisinko Sikona. Remember to please use the hashtag PowerZone uh, on Facebook. Simply search for PowerFM. I'm Malinga Mnisi on Facebook. Power987.co.za. From wherever in the world you're at right now, you can certainly plug in on our web, remember, uh, Pretoria, Johannesburg, we're at 98.7, 103.6 in Joburg, South West Rand, 104.4 in the uh, Ferena Heng side of uh, <laughs> of the province. East Rand, Ekuru Lane, 107.2 DSTV, Audio bouquet, Channel 889 Protocol served. And we move on to this particular conversation now. And we're speaking about, uh, you know, a draft book uh, that we understand, uh, you know, was... Uh, uh, essentially consolidated upon where Nigeria is concerned by the old progressive uh, progressives, I uh, uh, Congress. That's the uh, APC. They're wanting to essentially raise the quality of political discourse and ideology uh, to drive good governance in, in Nigeria. And there was a joint conference that was held in Abuja uh, where this uh, draft handbook um, was uh, put together, produced uh, for the establishment of uh, the proposed uh, progressives institute and uh, to help us uh, make sense of it and unpack it a little bit more and what it essentially means uh, we're joined now by the founder of policy shapers uh, ebenezer wikina good morning to you good good morning good morning thank you so much for having me it's an absolute pleasure you are currently in nigeria right Yes. Yes. I'm yeah. my, my so what, manager, what, right? what time is it? Because I'm I'm not so sure if um, we, are, we it's also morning there. What time is it there? Sorry. Sorry I'm just saying. What What time yeah. is it over there? It's uh, at six minutes past past
1: midnight.
0: So that's uh, twelve. Oh. 12 okay. Six. So oh, an hour yeah. apart, essentially, uh, in an hour part. How's yeah. the How's the fever ahead of uh, the game uh, later today?
1: It, it's really high. It's really high. So. Oh. <laughs> so it's, a, it's, a, it's a much anticipated match. So, yeah. uh, really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Wonder, wonderful stuff. But yeah. let's uh, talk about uh, this uh, uh, handbook that was consolidated upon and what is it essentially uh, aims to achieve, particularly where the APC is concerned. And perhaps give us some background and context as to how do we get to this particular point.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the APC... Before becoming the Republican Party, say about uh, nine years ago, mm. we had the Opposition Party, right? And they, like a, the APC was formed because of a merger between two of the leading opposition parties at the time, the CPC and the ACN. Mm. And when those two parties came together um, at the time, the ruling party was the PDP, that's the People's Democratic Party in Nigeria. And so when the APC was formed uh, by the two parties and all-at-all, so all, uh, Action Congress and TPC, uh, the idea was they wanted to bring a different kind of politics to the to scene. To the because prior to that time, we've had the PDP in office for close to 16 years, um, and some of the like, development issues in the country were still being um, spoken about, like there was the power issues. Issues around unemployment and you know some of these many other issues about like, development and human human development. Mm. So yeah, so the APC came with the promise that you know this would be a different administration, this we would be doing things differently and thinking differently. Um, but you know prior to this launch of this book, uh, you know the the the, the handbook, mm. there the, there hasn't been much difference between the APC and, and the PDP. To be, to be honest, I mean, they they basically also had to struggle with terrible economy and you know the power issues we've had are still lingering up until today. Mm. The economy, the um, strength of the naira compared to the dollar has been falling really, really fast and really high over the past what eight, eight or nine years. Mm. So what we see now is like the APC trying to do, um, you know, maybe I I think we'll go back to the drawing board, I guess. I thought of, like, beginning to ask themselves, you know, what exactly are they trying to do? What is the, what is their ideology? And I think that is one of the things that have been missing in our politics in Nigeria, where parties, you know, are run by individuals who don't really have ideologies, mostly about, like, where they think they would win, you know, so they don't really... So the parties don't really have a stance, for example, on certain issues, whether it's, like, on women's inclusion or youth inclusion or, you know, like... Environmental like, or climate change, you know, they do not have any sort of like belief mm. and values that they hold on to. So people tend to like cross carpet from one party to the other, back and forth, sometimes even twice in political season. Yeah. So in, in January, a particular fellow might be in the PDP, before the first quarter is over, he might have moved to the APC. And before, you know, before the year is over, he has gone back to the PDP. So then it's had this kind of cross carpeting back and forth. And that happens mm. because... You know, folk don't, most of the parties don't have values, right? So I, I think that that's what, you know, ATC is trying to start. Um, we saw the third party force in Nigeria during the elections, um, you know, try to do something similar as, as, as well, because that was mostly young people believing the Labour Party, mm. where you had many young people talking about values and changing the political system and, you know, not, not giving bribes, not giving money, how they think for volunteering. Mm-hmm. I think looking for a new Nigeria, you know, so I mean, I I feel like APC has seen the writing on the wall and I started to think that, you know, like, if this movement begins to grow bigger and bigger, at some point, people would obviously, you know, move towards these new parties that seem to be um, coming up with a sort of like a movement of values. And I I think that's, that's what they're doing now, trying to put this handbook together to mm-hmm. like, begin to like survey and how they can sort of have ideologies and go back to the original ideas as to why they were founded as well as a party because they I mean they were the opposition party for a couple of years. But now they've been the ruling party for close to nine years. Um and if they're if they're still going round and round the same issue means that they need to go back to the drawing board. So I think yeah. that's what they're currently trying
0: to do. Yeah. Be you know this progressive institute uh they they say that once fully operational it will serve as the think uh think tank that is in your view mm. you know do you believe that it will address some of the issues because maybe also then perhaps start by taking us through what is proposed uh in terms of this institute and and, and what are some of the recommendations made and then as an extension mm. to say, do you believe that it will answer some of the challenges uh, that Nigeria is, is currently going through that you've already highlighted?
1: Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I, as, as a Nigerian, I can hope that it would um, answer to those challenges. Um, I think that if the Institute, of course, is first able to teach a lot about democracy, much more than how we've seen democracy being practiced, In this Mm -hmm. part of the world where it's mostly about strong men, you know, not necessarily strong institutions, right? Um, You know, I mean, we can just see the issues happening in Senegal and most of the protests following the election postponement. And we've seen that happen over and over again, right? It's happened in Nigeria multiple times. The reason why, I mean, in Nigeria, we have really had our fast rules around the election. So um, everyone knows that by the fourth year, you know, your time is up. You know, INEC has started what the National Electoral Commission has started, like, process for voter registration and you know started the whole process a year at the time, so mm. sort of like our election clock is always very accurate. Um, however, the people who, the, the candidates, where we've had talent has been like having the right candidates, the quality of candidates that we often have, mm. who come out to run, um, you know, most people, I mean, the, the 60 or 70% of the population will tell you that, you know, you don't, you don't get as as quality as, as well. Like, so I, I feel like what the APC is doing is trying to set up these institutes to increase the quality that you know, we get so that people who who want to come into, I mean, who are members of their party, but who also want to come into leadership, public leadership, mm. understand the ins and outs and are also able to deliver on whatever it is they do, whether through their manifestos or through their campaigns. Because again, I mean, there are two such organizations that track campaign promises and, you know, most of the time, you know, it's either they're doing maybe just two or three things out of what they promised. On some, in some cases, they don't even do anything that they promised. They promise to, you know, solve all the problems in the country, and then by the end of their tenure, it's almost like the problems even done. You know, so I think that that's that's basically what they are trying to do. And and I think it basically shouldn't, be, um, you know, I mean, I think political parties should be doing this, yes. But I think that in our education system. In Nigeria, across the African continent, really, because I think Africa does have a huge leadership challenge. Mm. Across the African continent, I think our education system will be able to somehow embed civic duty and, like, moral leadership in the way we raise our young young people. We need to be able to teach people how to understand that, you know, as a system, no matter how old or young you are, you know, you're responsible for your actions. Mm. Whatever happens in the country have a role to play, mm. you know, you shouldn't just be like, oh, whatever is, I mean, it's for <laughs> so the older people, you know, you should be part of the conversation so that shape whatever it takes, that is, that the values or ideologies or, you know, the, sort of like the, the way things from our conversations, right? Mm. The way mm-hmm. the radio sets the agenda, media helps to paint the pictures all that we see and begin to discuss is because of the kind of conversations that we have. So I feel if we begin to embed physic duty and moral leadership and the need for Servant leadership, all those kind of things in our education system, mm-hmm. and even begin to have young people role model these things when they are like prefects in schools. Um, I'm talking as far back as like basic school, right? I'm not even saying like mm-hmm. university. I'm saying like basic school. If you have young people begin to role model these things, you know, you'll be investing in the future directly. And, you know, you can't really... Anyway, I, I, I did added in my English my language that says, if you try to spend an adult, you break the percent. But if you try to bend a child, you know, you critical. So you <laughs> easier to, you know, if a child is still learning, you easier to do the You know, you're going the wrong way. You can bend this way and do this thing. right But when you have mm-hmm. people who have become adults already, it becomes really hard. So that's why the party sets up an institute, for example. It becomes tough, <laughs> you know, like, are you trying to, like, change the politicians already? are well, mm-hmm. what's in their 60s and 70s or 50s? You know, as opposed to saying, can we even begin to even invest in the young people, younger generation? There's nothing wrong in trying to ensure that we even try to change leaders who are there now. But I think that to be more sustainable, if we can even begin to ensure that we invest in the future now, and this is something I think we can really do through education.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you also touched on it, um, Ebenezer. You know, on a broader scale, just looking at the leadership. Uh, within africa as a continent and you know it it almost then points Mm. me to another aim of uh, this uh, program by uh, the apc in nigeria saying that uh, they're wanting to build the capacity of their members to effectively provide good governance Talk to us about the importance mm. then of building capacity amongst African leaders, um, even issues mm. uh, around just uh, you know ideological training as well, and for them mm. to understand mm. the fundamentals um, of this particular yeah. Uh, issue.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, 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 I think, I think it's very important. Um, I think that, I mean, I feel that, Leadership itself, it's a training process. I mean, nobody can feel like they're like the ultimate leader. They know everything. However, I feel like even before people become leaders, we need to begin as as a continent, we need to begin to create some bit of standards as to mm. the kind of people who should even be leaders. I feel like at the moment, our standards are quite low. And when I'm saying that I mean like moral standards, you know, intellectual standards. Um, you know, for example, in Nigeria, for you to be president, you just need to be... You just need to have gone through primary school alone for you to be present. I don't think that's enough for you to lead 200 million plus people. You know, I mean, for people who want to work in banks, you need to at least have a first degree. Or mm-hmm. at least, you know, there are some dumb rules that it takes you to even have a master's degree. You know, for you mm-hmm. to for you to lead smaller organizations, but for you to then lead the 200 million plus people, you just need to be a primary school graduate. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's I don't think that's enough. So we need to also begin to like think of um, you know what our standards are. And I think that those standards also sort of like help to meet the capacity that we're currently seeing. Because I think if you if you get someone who obviously had, I mean, we have so many Africans really who are, whether at the criminal, International Criminal courts, or um, UNFP or World Bank or all of these places who are, you know, who you know are really sound, you know, who are, I mean, you can tell this person who has capacity, you know, if you actually keep the standards at that particular level, you'll be able to attract the right people who will be able to come lead. Um, in different ways, but just speaking from where we are currently, I think that we need to also like encourage our leaders to. Because one of the things that we're saying currently as, as a trend over the past year is, you're seeing all these countries do like um, India-Africa Summit, you know, mm-hmm. Italy-Africa summits, Africa summit, Africa summit mm-hmm. and you know, our leaders just like travel to all of these countries. I'm not really sure like what exactly they go to discuss this, this summit because like everyone seems to have a plan for Africa without without us having a plan for mm-hmm. ourselves. Um and you know, I don't know if I did discussing like capacity issues, I did like talking about how they can build the capacity of our civil civil service for example, or oh, are they talking about loans? And because of that, that's often where talking about loans and how they can give loans and knowing that these loans, these leaders in office, you take these loans and not be able to pay back. And then the the, debts, the burden of the debt will now be kept on the future future generation. So, um, so yeah. So I feel like even like even the developed world, their yeah, interest in Africa, they also need to also be interested in the capacity of the debt to be able to ensure that if you don't have people who have good capacity, they won't be able to deliver on whatever promises that they make. Whatever you, even the participles institutes. They, they definitely just wouldn't be able to ensure that they can deliver on those things that they said they're going to do and solve those problems that other people have. So I, I feel the capacity thing is a, is a big issue. And I, and I think as opposed to getting to get someone and build their capacity while they're in office, I think we actually need to set high standards and actually attract people at that level. Because Af- I mean, Africans have many intelligent Africans on the continent, out of the continent, everywhere, who are doing amazing work in several fields, right? Mm. And the thing with public leadership is that you just need to be able to be someone who can solve problems as a a leader, understand the political context, understand the country, understand the problems, and definitely you should be able to run run for for, for office. So I think if we set the standards that high, we will attract um, leaders at that particular level.
0: And then you know you sound quite hopeful, but just in terms of then the process going forward, where the uh, handbook is concerned, and the process um, of the APC in establishing, uh, you know, uh, mm. this 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 particular uh, prog- progressive institute of theirs what do you yeah. know and what yeah. do you understand the process will now look like um, going forward for it to become an actual thing there and how uh, are, are the various stages perhaps going to then be monitored and are you of the view and believe that it will really bring about mm. change in essence
1: yeah I mean well, I mean, just starting from sitting down from here it's tough to tell how much impact it's going to have uh, because we've had quite a number of This suggestion in the past. And I mean, Nigeria doesn't lack good ideas. Like, there are so many good ideas in Mm. policies and laws um, and a lot of bills and acts. But I think it's mostly like implementation that we often have a shortcoming. So I think if the APC, first of all, is able to even implement what they say they want to do by actually just setting up the institute first. I think that that would be a huge first step because currently there's no physical institute, it's just an idea, right? The handbook, you know, and then saying they want to have an institute. Would it be a building? Would it be in their office? Like, how is it, how is it going to work, right? Are mm. they looking at a situation where they can even extend the knowledge beyond even their party? You know, so there's so many questions, but if they can even take the first step of implementing that, I think that's that's, that's the first step to be able to actually turn that idea to reality. Then we can then begin to talk about, okay, what's the quality of what they're teaching? Um, how long are the programs or, you know, how are the mm-hmm. testing in, the, in real life situations? And then we can begin to like talk about the other, the other angles. But I think they should first of all implement because that is usually the biggest challenge we have mm-hmm. in Nigeria, just mm-hmm. implementation, because we often have very, very good ideas.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And often it appears to be the challenge with many of our African countries, the issue of implementation. Mm. But it also makes me want to ask, because this is a a party idea. So how important is it perhaps for parties to collaborate uh, with other institutions? I mean, at this particular uh, particular conference that was held where this handbook was consolidated upon, the APC was in collaboration with the Institute for Governance and Leadership uh, Studies in Africa. So how important is it Mm. for collaboration to happen uh, with political parties and sort of other stakeholders, uh, just to infuse Mm. ideas and and, and get different expertise as well um, on some of uh, the ideas that they have.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's it's very, very important. I think that, um, I mean, change cannot happen in the vacuum, so you can't just have a political party alone creating all of the change. Um, I think that you need... There are always different stakeholders, and everyone has a different role to play. Like maybe mm-hmm. I, I mentioned earlier, the education sector, as well, has a huge role to play, in teaching civic duty, and how people can be good citizens. But then also, if you go to like religious really institutions, such as the church or the mosque, people often spend so much time there as well. So how are we also like investing in people's lives and making sure that they also learn about leadership, you know, back to the families, how <laughs> our parents as well you know, uncles and aunties and, you know, the elders around, how they're also ensuring that leadership is being instilled and people are learning about morality and doing the right thing and ensuring that they strive to do the right thing at all times, you know. So, like, I feel like they yeah, are all those, those units, and if you then come out of that and look at the, the broader society, you know, every, every arm of government, every space, really, mm-hmm. I feel even leaders themselves, even the political party leaders themselves, have a huge role to even model, the kind of leadership they want to teach at those institutes, right? So it's not just it's not enough to write handbooks, mm. but how are you even modeling? So as a political party leader, how are you modeling that kind of leadership and showing that it's actually possible to be a leader like like this? And so you know that's why you should come to me, so I can then teach you, to, you know, teach you how to be a leader mm. like this. So I think that you know the the onus is on is on everybody. It's not just on the political party. I think everybody has a role to play. Mm-hmm. In contributing to, I mean, from the teachers all the way to the churches and mosques to every every single uh, you know space of society to ensure that um, the, the the idea of leadership you know, becomes of good leadership, but that becomes a becomes a regular thing. Like mm-hmm. it's, it should be the norm. It shouldn't be you know you know how currently we celebrate good leadership. Like like I remember when um, for the like elections, when George West stepped, stepped down and called to congratulate the mm-hmm. his, his op- opponents. Mm-hmm. It seems like such a big big deal and a big news and you know, normally that's, that should be the normal thing. Like mm-hmm. if, you, if you lost an election, mm-hmm. you should you know, congratulate the opponent and then leave. It's not, your, it's not your house, it's not your father's house, why are you there for whatever. <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. because of how terrible leadership has been, you celebrate those things like that's you know, that's the biggest thing ever, but that's supposed to be the normal thing. So I think when we begin to make good leadership, you know, normal, you know, make it, and even like I said it starts from every special life make it normal mm. people grow up knowing that this is exactly how it's supposed to be
0: and I guess also as a parting shot the involvement of young people also quite uh, crucial uh, with those fresh and unique and creative ideas I guess yes
1: yes mm. I mean go- I mean, government also is, the, <laughs> is like the powerhouse and the brain brain behind every single thing right mm. so mm. I think I, when I, again so even if the constitution where the APC is no longer in government, right? Mm. If the PDP or any other party comes to government, would they continue to support the institutes? For example, Would they, you know, shut down the
0: institutes? Mm. Mm. You know,
1: so again, those, those, are, those are like moral questions that we definitely need to answer um, when we talk about, you know, being committed to public leadership and good public leadership. So, mm. um, yeah, so yeah, government of the has a huge role to play as well in ensuring that. whether as in a curriculum and education. And also in our public life as well, that um, good good leadership is enshrined, And ideological leadership is enshrined in
0: our in our public system. Yeah, Ebenezer Wikina, thanks so much uh, for your time, my brother. I Really, really do appreciate uh, you making time to help us thank make you. sense thanks. of this, uh, <laughs> the, this particular conversation. And uh, all the best yeah, for later you. today. Thanks. Hey, all the best.
1: Yeah, thanks. All cool. the best to you guys. I, I hope the best thing. The yeah. best thing we certainly. All right, <laughs> take right. care. Right.
0: All right. That's uh, Ebenezer Wikina. There, he is the founder of Policy uh, Shapers, speaking to us, of course, about Nigeria's uh, APC Progressive uh, Progressives Institute.